And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Friday, January 7th. And since I had Mark on the air yesterday, I'm just going to start plowing forward and getting to your emails because we talked a lot yesterday. If you've got a financial question, we encourage you to check out our new website, jillonmoney.com. Click the contact button. Let us know if you want to come on the air. It's the way to get your answer, your questions answered much more efficiently. And also we get to dive a little bit deeper and it's fun. It's fun for us. Okay. So this is from Joanna, and the subject is contemplating retirement. Hi, Jill. Thank you for your great advice. I enjoy the show. I'm wondering if you can guide me on thoughts about upcoming retirement. I'm currently 63, and if I work one more year, she will be 65. She thought, I think that's a good time to retire. Oh, I live in Alaska, so my teacher retirement provides a pension. Great. We got IRA, Roth, and 403B accounts, $175,000. $100,000 in a precious metals IRA, $85,000 in savings, no credit card debt, house mortgage, and utilities. Because of the pension, Social Security is going to be impacted by the windfall elimination provision. I don't know how much Social Security will be for me. Okay. So she does qualify, but let's not actually do that. Okay, so the question is, how can I ensure that I've planned enough for retirement at this point? I'm in excellent health. You know, this is what I would say, Joanna, what is the pension amount? Will that pension cover your needs? If the answer is that your house mortgage and the utilities and your taxes and your fund money and all that stuff is covered by your pension, then you're ready to rock and roll. If you feel like that comes up short and you're going to start eating into some of that savings, I'd have to know by how much. But generally speaking, if you have the pension amount and it works for you and it's covering your needs, doesn't sound like you're a huge spender, you're you're in great shape. It's great. Okay. Good? Good. Okay. This is from Sean. Sean says, dear Jill and Mark, you see, Mark, you got a shout out. Isn't that nice? I absolutely love your show. Thank you. And I listen to it every day on my drive to work. 
Sean goes on to say, I am 50 years old. My wife is 45 and I plan to retire when I'm 59 and a half. And my wife will continue working until she's about 65 years old. Sean says, I have a general question about whether or not we should hire a financial planner to manage three different accounts, a rollover IRA, a brokerage account, and a Roth IRA, a Roth 401 IRA, 401k. I don't know what that is. Okay. Doesn't really matter. The combined account balance is about $1.325 million. Good chunk of moolah, right? Okay. In addition, they have $850,000 in their current 401ks, $150,000 in 529 plans for two kids ages nine and seven. They're still in the accumulation phase of their wealth journey. Mark, they save about 20% of their income. Damn good. Does it make sense to hire a financial advisor? The fees I've been receiving are between 0.79% and one and a quarter percent of assets under management. I'm pretty familiar with investing. I like to stick with low-cost diversified exchange-traded funds. I'm considering Vanguard as a possible option in which um, I will manage the accounts. My thought is I'll manage the three accounts until later down the road as we approach retirement. Then I could hire a financial planner to help manage the accounts and assist us with tax strategies. I know you're going to ask this. Yes, we do have our estate completed (laughs) and life insurance. Thank you, Sean. It's interesting when you're asking yourself these questions about whether or not you need a financial advisor, I think it's worth contemplating what you'd be using that advisor for. So when you're just thinking about money management, if you are using low-cost exchange-traded funds and you like doing it yourself, that's great. You can keep doing that. There's no problem with that. There doesn't seem to be a big calling for overall financial planning help. If you hate doing that, then sure, you could certainly go go ahead and have someone or a robo-advisor manage your money. So there's there's like sort of different shades of this. One is I'm doing the investing, but I need some financial planning. If that's your case, then your financial planning options would be, hey, I'm going to keep doing my own money management, but I'm going to hire a fee-only financial planner, which is an expensive way to go. And in your case, Sean, I think that what's interesting is that you don't really want someone to manage your money. You want someone to maybe do the planning part. So you could hire somebody who is, say, a um, a member of NAPFA, a fee-only planner, to just do a financial plan for you, make sure you're on track for your retirement goals. And you can find fee-only financial planners at NAPFA, N-A-P, as in Peter, N-A-P-F-A dot org. Okay. You could also check out, uh, we have a sponsor of our radio show called Facet Wealth, and they do more financial planning, goal-based financial planning. They don't actually ask to manage your money. And it can be a little bit cheaper than getting one of those sort of super specialized folks from NAPFA. And then the next level down would be that you could use one of the robo-advisors like Vanguard Personal Service Advisor or Schwab or Betterment. And these are the kinds of places that will both manage your money, but also do financial planning. I'm not sure that's even the right fit for Sean because Sean likes to manage the money. So that's number one about like just money management in general. I think it sounds like you're on track. You you can always hire someone to do some financial planning for you, but it doesn't sound like you need it right now. 
the the clearest picture about like when you need help is when things are really complicated or you hate it. <laughs> so one of those usually that that you know it doesn't sound like either of those. So I think you're okay. Carry on. If you need some help, then uh, certainly we can chat with you more. Okay. All right. Next, Sarah writes. Oh boy, I don't already like this because I don't like the subject mark. Subject line. Social Security Benefits and Terminal Illness. Okay, Sarah's 61. My husband is 63. I've stayed at home since my kids were born. They're grown and married now. My husband is a professor, and according to the Social Security calculator, I should take my Social Security at the age of 62 in 2022. It says that my husband should take his at 70. However, we've been dealt some bad news. He has been diagnosed with a Oh, God, a slow growing pancreatic cancer. Longest outlook would be five years for him. So he will be retiring from his job this August. We are in the process of trying to get our financial house in order. What we're trying to figure out now is how do we handle Social Security benefits in a situation such as this? Financially, we're very good. Our mortgage is paid off, no debt. They've got a large nest egg. So we're not dependent on the Social Security just trying to figure out how this scenario affects his social security. I mean, so it sounds like social security is, it sounds like it's superfluous. So I guess the question is, you know, the longer that they have him wait, the better it would be for for her. But if he were to die sooner rather than later, she gets the the beneficiary. The, she gets those benefits. She gets that benefit no matter what. I mean, look, without trying to game the system in any way, no, I shouldn't say game the system, without trying to overthink this, maybe if he just takes it, you have plenty of money, you have the extra cash flow, that would be fine. I would say this. This is interesting, Mark, coming on the tail of the other question from Sean. In this particular situation where you know you have a terminal illness and you know that you're trying to get your house in order, this is a situation where I would absolutely engage a financial planner. Absolutely. And when you say a large nest egg, I wonder if you already have somebody who's helping you with your these matters, Sarah. And if that's the case, then that person should be helping to run through the various options that you would have. I think that that's what I would do. I would actually look, have someone maybe do a a snapshot. You know, Mark, the the one time in my financial planning career, which now seems like a thousand years ago, the one time I remember um, really being shaken up around this idea of you never know when an illness comes and why I became such a crazy person about estate planning is I got a call from somebody who says, I'm so-and-so's friend and I have uh, end-stage breast cancer. And I got hired to help her and her husband and her young son at the time. She really just needed to do planning. And she said, I need your help because my husband won't do it. And he's just emotionally a wreck and I need to like get him set. And it was a really interesting experience to go through it. And by the way, she was like 40 years old and she died eight months after we did the plan for her. And what was interesting in her case and what we uncovered was a lot of different planning scenarios, whether it was life insurance, like she had a life insurance policy through work that had lapsed. They let us reinstate it, even though she had end stage cancer. Like it was weird. Like we found money for her, which was unbelievable. 
But there are these social security questions and they you got to run through the calculator. And if you really want to get the best answer, I think you might want to engage somebody. I really do. And of course, this is a time when, you know, there may be some options around your estate planning. These are when you should be having these extraordinarily painful conversations with each other. You know, you've got a diagnosis. You keep checking in with your loved one about like, well, tell me what you feel. Tell me how you feel about treatment. Do we need to make any changes to these documents? I think this is incredibly important. I really do. I'm so sorry for this diagnosis for both of you. It's God awful. And we we really, it, we're here for you if you have a financial question and you want to come back in and like talk to us. But I think this does take a, a little bit more rigor than than just joining us on the air. Okay. But it sounds like she's really very, gosh, she's like very straightforward and analytical about it, which is not a bad thing to do. Uh, you know, someone once said to me when I was nursing someone through cancer, I said, I feel like sometimes I'm very like remote, like go into my mode. I go into the, go into the hospital, I get into hospital mode. And uh, my friend said, sometimes whatever gets you through and that's it. So if planning gets you through it, then go for it. All right. Jonathan writes that he's got money in a taxable investment account for his kids. And because of cash flow issues, he says, I only put uh, $75 a month for both kids plus portions of gifts they receive for birthdays and holidays. Should I withdraw the money from the accounts, pay the taxes and put it into a 529 plan? Is the New Jersey plan a good option for residents of the state? Let's look up the Garden State's 529 plan, Mark, and see what that, first of all, should he, should he move the money? I'd like to know how much money it is. Let me just look at this. So the New Jersey plan is called the New Jer- NJ Best plan. They can deduct up to 10000 a year. All right. So yes, you should use it. Because of your cash flow issues, if it's a huge tax and you're going to deplete all of your uh, money that is in cash to pay the tax, no. But if it's not such a big tax, then pay it and move on and put the money in the plan. That's what I would say. Eileen writes, subject, estimated taxes. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> you better leave that in. Uh, by the way, we're talking to you in January. Don't forget January 15th, estimated taxes are due quarterly. And if you're like Mark, give it all pre-programmed and it will be sucked out of your account on January 15th. Okay. Eileen says, I love your podcast. I have a question I haven't heard you cover. My husband and I retired within the last couple of years and we are in our early 60s. He's got a pension from his job and we have federal and state taxes withhold withheld from that to cover the pension annual the annual pension. Now, in prior years, we both had W2 jobs, so taxes were withdrawn and I used to make estimated taxes in early January to cover income from mutual fund capital gain distributions. Okay, sounds reasonable. Last year when I used TurboTax to do our taxes, it added the line in for underpayment of estimated taxes, even though we were due for a small refund from my January 15th estimated tax payment. We had sold some stock during the year, so it feels like we would have been required to pay the tax on that immediately or within the quarter. No, that's the the wrong assumption. Okay, so here's the deal. When you sell stock during the year, you don't pay for it on a quarterly basis. I mean, you could potentially, but you're going to pay for it when the following April. So, you don't have to make quarterly payments if you don't want to. You can you make quarterly payments to avoid having any tax surprises. And if you want, I think that the easiest thing to do is 
if something major happens in a given year, you're not on the hook for that. Like if you under withhold because something else happens in that year, that's not the issue. And it's not like a fairness, unfairness. I just want to be clear about that. Um, it's just, it's the rules. Okay. Interesting. I just got an email from the IRS that says, uh, taxpayers visit irs.gov anytime for answers to your tax questions. I just got it. It just popped into my inbox. So good luck with that. And let us know. I don't think you're going to have a problem. All right. And it's not a fairness thing. And you don't have to pay it that quarter. You don't have to. Okay, good. All right. Hey, it's Friday, Mark. Isn't it funny? It's like the time is very strange right now. Very strange. And uh, I'm very happy to be back talking to you guys live, not through putting many, many podcasts in the can before vacation. And it's a joy. It really is. If you wouldn't mind, check out our brand new website. It's jillonmoney.com. Tell us what you think. Send us a resource that we might be able to add to this. I really want to beef that up. It's going to be good. What else can they do? How about we got to get a lot of people signed up for the newsletter because my publisher, I sold a book and I'm writing the book. I'm like halfway done, by the way, Mark. I, my publisher is going to want more people on that list. So how many more do you think we can hit the, do you think we can get another 15,000 people signed up? 15 by when? December of 2022. If everybody who subscribes to the podcast subscribes to the newsletter, then yeah, you'll do it. That's not a big ask. If you subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the newsletter. Okay. Mark says it's not a big ask. So here's what I would like you to do. If you subscribe to this podcast, which is so lovely that you do that, just subscribe to the newsletter. It'll make me look good for my publisher. I don't really care that much, but my publisher cares because they're such donkeys sometimes and they're not listening to this, which is great. But they always think that like, oh, that matters. Sometimes a book sells because it's the right topic at the right time. I thought my first book was amazing. I loved it. I thought it was great. It sold well. It didn't become like a runaway great seller because political books were taking center stage at that time. So maybe this one will sell better. I don't know. But sign up for the newsletter. You'll help me out. I really would appreciate that. Uh, It's Friday. And so on Fridays, I tell you that our music is composed by Joel Goodman. And Mark Talercio is our executive producer extraordinaire that we are distributed by the fine folks at Cadence 13. And we would hope that you could put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. You never know when you're going to get one of those horrible diagnoses and you never know when someone just needs a good pat on the back. Okay. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.